Hello and welcome to the Coon Hunting University podcast. This is your host, Tyler Duncan. And like always, class is in session. Coon Hunting University is brought to you by Superior Hunting Lights. Superior, step up to the max. Use discount code CHUPODCAST at checkout on nighthunters.com. Conkey's Outdoors, hunting and hound supply store. We stand behind Conkey's and is the only hunting supply store that we personally recommend here at Coon Hunting University. You can find out more at conkeysoutdoors.com or find them on Facebook, Conkey's Outdoors, and give them a like. So let me start off by saying, first off, that I'm, I'm sorry that we didn't release a podcast last week. We've all been extremely busy and uh just just didn't get around to it um been hunting hard uh, about time to go back to work but uh i asked jason this is tuesday night before this will be released tomorrow i asked him to jump on here and let's do this because when i first started cunut university i started as a place as to be educational to um to, to new hunters and to to new people and it, it i'm not gonna say it's not educational the way it is right now but it's it's definitely different than it 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 was intended to be to begin with which is great now i'm not saying that doing the interviews and stuff i love doing them but the reason i asked jason to come on here or uh to to join the team at coon hunting university is he's he's a teacher um so he brings the the way to articulate things to people that so that people will understand i believe and he's gonna be doing a an educational segment called we think we're gonna call it night classes or night school uh and i think it'll be very very educational we're gonna start out with the basics or jason is um jason uh people that listen to this podcast they should know who you are and if, if they haven't it's not from the podcast but i mean i'm sure that they know who you are anyway if it wasn't for the podcast but um talk about why you wanted to do this and when i kind of approached you with the idea you were you were all about it well Tyler, like you mentioned, I'm a teacher at heart, and uh, uh, my passion is coon hunting, the outdoors in general. I mean, I, if it hunts, slithers, or crawls here in Clark County, Mississippi, I've probably hunted or chased it. Uh, so, you know, with that, with those, uh, with those ideas at mind, you know, I teach forestry. Uh, a lot of people might not even know what forestry is, but it's a it's basic civil culture, the, the study of a tree stand and uh, the management of it to, to hopefully make money or manage it for wildlife. So the outdoors is sort of my playground and and uh, working with young people has always been a passion of mine, sort of seeing them, you know, grow in the outdoors. Uh, so, so when you were doing, starting that podcast, I was like, man, that is a really neat podcast as far as, you know, another platform to reach young people about coon hunting you know it's one of those sports that's sort of it's hard to get into unless you've got somebody you know pushing you into it so i think this would be a great avenue to reach people that you know are interested in it but really don't have any any uh any idea or any road map to get there i always talk about goals and objectives and somebody that's setting a goal to start coon hunting is one of those things that's really hard to get into and 
you know, I think this would be a great platform to sort of lead people to the sport, maybe educate people that have been in the sport for a while. You know, I, I see people doing stuff a good bit that I'm like, wow, man, I, I wish somebody would tell you not to do that. You know, this Facebook and this social media stuff, you see people doing stuff and you, you think, man, I'd like to tell you not to do that in a, in a nice way, but people never take it. You know, when you, when you try to help, it seems like it's one of those things that falls on a deaf ears or you're being a smart butt. And, you know, that's not always the case when somebody tries to help you out. They're really, they really are trying to help you out, even though you may not look at it that way. So I, I think this is a, a great, great way to get, get our sport out there. And, and uh, especially people that are just, you know, if you're tuning into this episode, you're like, man, this will be great for me to try to get into it. So that's, that's what I'm thinking. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I think, I think if, if you can come in and you can teach people and, and I, I think that we can all learn, uh, from from each other because i mean if you only see one person's perspective on something if you only use your own perspective or you only see one person's you're not getting the whole story in my opinion at all you know um so by you coming on here and you're going to be sharing this with everybody and oh i know what i want to say jason so we're and and we're also going to be doing a question and answers right you know, so we're going to yeah. ask y'all for questions. We're going to ask you for, and then Jason's going to answer them live on the podcast. We'll mention, probably mention your name and, and where you're from. So be sure to send that in if you do send a question. And you can send those to the Facebook page or even to Jason directly or directly or to me directly. Um, or you can email them to us at chupodcast at outlook.com. Um, and I'll get them to Jason. Yeah, exactly. That first podcast that we did, I got. I got, uh, I don't know, 10 or 10 to 15 questions probably on, uh, different things. And I tried to answer everybody, you know, I just sent them up. I got a lot of Facebook messages. Uh, and I actually got one this week, matter of fact, off of, uh, off of that podcast. Uh, but it's one of those deals where here, here, you know, in education, people always, are not people, but they tend to forget where they came from. And, uh, you know, nobody strapped on boots and put on a light and knew everything about coon hunting. Heck, I don't know everything about coon hunting. Uh, but here's the deal. I, uh, I, I had a book that I, I tell you when I was younger, I bought a book, uh, from John Wick, Walt with Wick, the first episode, I bought it in 1989. This is going to date me a little bit. So I, I was 15 years old, uh, and I bought this book, and I was actually living in England. My dad was in the oil field, and I bought that book. So I couldn't coon hunt, but I read that book over and over and over again. And I, looking back on the mind of a 15-year-old, you know, I wish I could, I wish I could tell that 15-year-old some of the stuff that I know now. So that's one reason this podcast sort of means a lot to me as far as if there's a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, heck, if there's a 30-year-old man that doesn't know anything about coon hunting and is interested in it, then I'm wanting to be able to, you know, maybe save some headache that's going to come your way in the sport. 
Uh, it doesn't matter if you want to be a pleasure hunter. It doesn't matter if you want to be a competition hunter. But the biggest thing is that you want to enjoy the sport of coon hunting. And what is this? You know, I mean, you got different people that's going to give you different definitions on what coon hunting is. I mean, some people never look at a competition coon hunt. They just want to go out there and hear their dogs running tree coon. Uh, so th there's so many different levels of coon hunting, and it's changed. It's sort of gotten more, you know, the apex of coon hunting now is the competition coon hunting because there is no fur market. There is a, there's the shrinking hunting grounds that's going on around us. Uh, so, you know, most everybody now sort of slides into that competition side pretty quick just to have a place to coon hunt. So that, and that, that is ultimately why I'm doing the podcast is, is to get you in or give you the information that might save you some headache down the road. And it'll be up to you if you listen to it. You know, that's, that's the thing. Everybody's got to learn from their mistakes, you know, and, and me and Tyler jokingly talked earlier today about, uh, about everybody buy a pup, don't buy a pup. You know, I'm telling you, if you're getting into coon hunting right now, do not buy a pup. You'll, you'll hear everybody tell you that. And most people are going to buy a pup. Why? Because it's cheaper. Uh, it's they're they're easier to handle and you don't have to worry about getting rooked as far as, Oh, this is a good dog. And you not even really knowing what a good dog is. So there's, there's some avenues that we're going to talk about tonight just on getting into the sport, finding you a seasoned dog, making connections and networking where it'll be a little bit easier for you to slide into the sport because it is, it's, it is hard to get into, but with a couple of these little tips we're going to give you tonight, hopefully it'll be easier for you to get into it. Uh, you I know, we, we, huh? I, I don't want to uh, jump ahead. You, you just jarred my memory a little bit. I, you know, perfect example is, uh, when I got, when I got into coon hunting, the first, you know, when I first started, I had a, well, my cousin's coon hunting. I went with them. They didn't really have any good dogs. I didn't really have any good dogs. And then an old man gave me a dog and, uh, you know, an older dog. And, man, that, you know, I mean, that dog, how do I say that? Uh, if it wasn't for that dog, I would have never, because I would have never stayed coon hunting because that dog made it so much fun to go coon hunting. You know, and even after he died, I was still chasing that fun, you know. It was so much more enjoyable with a dog that, that treed coons, you know, an older dog that you didn't have to worry about, you know, to start out with. Now I like messing with young dogs the older I get, but uh, you know what I'm saying. And Oh, uh, oh yeah. I mean, when I, when I came back from England my senior year of, of high school, I bought older dogs, you know, for little to nothing. I knew nothing about the sport. I didn't buy a puppy, but I bought some older dogs that would run anything. Some wouldn't tree, one would tree. I had one that would run and one that would tree. And me and my high school buddies, five or six of us, you know, uh, uh, actually a couple of them listened to that first pocket. Man, you didn't tell them about all our story. You know, I mean, 
it was amazing to me that my friends that listen to that podcast that uh you know don't coon hunt now but they still went back knew that i was on it so they they listened to that podcast like you didn't mention me in it and it's like buddies that maybe went with me uh five or six times you know when i was in high school uh so yeah i mean and and i can remember vividly thinking you know they were always having a good time laughing and joking and i would be 150 200 yards away from them just so i could listen to my dogs you know uh so yeah it's a it's one of those deals people do it for different reasons some people are highly competitive other people are just out there doing it for pleasure uh so that's that's what you you sort of got to decide you know what ram you're wanting to take into and neither one of them's right or wrong you know just you choose the one that you want to go and then one you know you might develop into another area um i would say right now at this point in my life i'm more of a pleasure hunter uh i'm hunting a dog right now that's steel mouth he's he's silent on the ground and falls trees absolutely hate it he trees coons quick he he's a he's a competitive dog i cannot stand it you know and and dogs win that are still mouth you know everybody talks about these big strike dogs and but man a, a still mouth dog that's quick and moves around the woods is uh is very capable because they don't they don't run the risk of drawing minus points you know and usually they my gosh you're looking at fur when you walk into the tree because he's up a bush uh but yeah that's just that's just the there's so many different aspects to look at it, coon hunt, but let's not jump ahead as far as yeah. You know, let's just get the basics in there, and you know what what. So let's just say you're 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 interested in st- going to uh, starting to coon hunt, and you have no way of you don't know anybody. The biggest thing that you probably need to do is find a local coon hunting club, and they're scattered all over the United States. I, wherever you're listen, listening at, there is a coon club probably within an hour of you. Uh, I would say, you know, I'm sure there's parts of the United States where they're probably a little more scattered out. And uh, But Mississippi's they, loaded with them. Yeah, and, and Jason, they can reach out to us. Oh, if, yeah. If we they can need help. help. Right. But, but, yeah, but the Internet, man, I'm telling you, you can UKC – dogs i mean, ukcdogs.com and prohound.com you can go on there and find your state and uh look up the clubs is that would be your best way is go to one of those websites and search the coon hunting clubs and and get your uh, get your hands dirty people are always looking for some help You'll find out quick the clubs that are good and that will help you, and you just go to them club. I mean, as you as you if you're really interested in it, you go to those clubs and help out. And I promise you, there's a old guy like me at one of those clubs that's got more dogs than he can hunt, and more than likely he's got a pretty decent dog sitting in the pen that he doesn't even hunt anymore, that you could probably cut your teeth on. Well, I need one of them dogs, Jason. Oh man, I, hey. Well, I can I can provide you with one. 
<laughs> Man, you got a good dog. Y'all treat 20-something coons like 40-something coons. How many coons y'all treat last weekend? 41. Yeah, and I need that dog. Uh, it wasn't at? me. It wasn't only my dog. <laughs> I can tell you, that dang blue tick Jesse Lively's got and that Willie dog Landon's that Brandon Bollinger owns at Landon's hunting, man. That dog went 13 for 14. That's, that's stout. That's and went stout. hunting for him. Right. But, and Landon was mad at him. <laughs> <laughs> that landing that landing's hard to please i do believe yeah he is he likes a willie though i do too um so you kind of talked about getting into it the way you're going to get into it do you uh do you want to go through some some definitions or or what do you want to do now yeah uh, i got some a, thought up you got some uh words you want me to yeah. define or you just you mm. want to go that route yeah we can do that and then if you think of one you can define it yourself you yeah, know, yeah. I got some wrote down. I wrote them down here a minute ago. Okay. Uh, All right. So, are you gonna ask me the word and see if I can define it to your specification? Well, I don't have a specification. You define it how you want. This is okay. your podcast. All right. Well, ask me. <laughs> this is gonna be bad if I can't get the ba- basic definitions right. This is a slick. So okay, so we're gonna go through some definitions. <laughs> you know, kind of lay the groundwork for Jason yeah. up. A First slick, word that pops in my mind. A slick tree what? idiot. Rat attack. No, I'm just joking. No, don't say that. You can't <laughs> say that on here. <laughs> don't, don't, don't everybody. Hey, I love rat attack. Hey, Do I'll, you I'll really? Do you really? Yeah. No. Man, I love it. Yeah. I mean, hey, stylish clover. Everybody screams stylish. Harry Cross on rat attack was the best. Uh, any, I'm saying stylish clover. Uh, on rat attack was probably about the best thing going, but but slick tree and to me is a man made problem. I know every, you're gonna have a, you're gonna have people disagree with me on it, and there is dogs that are more apt to tree than others. Uh, but slick treeing is a, a dog that is gonna make trees that obviously do not have a coon in them. Uh, if you're starting out coon hunting. You're going to see people blow coon squallers. You need to leave that at in the truck. You don't need to take a coon squaller with you, and you don't need to go crazy at every tree. Uh, man, I don't spend much time shining trees. And that's where so, a thermal's good. Yeah, I don't even have a thermal either. So, uh, uh, Well, that's where it's good at. You don't have to squall yeah, that tree to find yeah, that coon. Yeah, my, I, I used to be top shelf at finding raccoons i don't I, my eyesight ain't quite what it used to be but i could find a raccoon just about as fast as anybody but here's the deal on a when i say man-made problem usually when a dog first starts treeing they're typically very accurate uh because i mean that, that it's just the way it is i mean if Buster just starts out there busting trees, he's going to be a hard one to handle, you know, as far as, but that's where we define most, coal. Yeah. If he just goes <laughs> out there and just starts treeing that, but I, man, I don't know that I've ever had one. I've never had a big slick treeing problem with any of my, and I've, I'm telling you, I, I've bred, I bred to rat attack. I bred to judge, uh, and judge was rats brother. I've bred the known tree dogs, you know, but where the difference is, is the man behind the leash. And I, 
And I'm saying, you know, dogs that tree too much, typically we're not broke at an early enough age to to correct that problem. So you don't think it has anything to do with genetics? Yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's a it's a two way street. You know, the genetics are going to come in there that that they they treat. You know, they're going to make some extra trees, but it's the training. You know, we're out there to to tree coons, right? So you got to have a sucker that will get treed. No way around it. Uh, but on the on the converse side, you can make too many, which is a bad thing. And that's why I'm saying the handlers sort of, they add to the problem of the genetics, you know? Yeah. No. Yeah. So certain dogs are more susceptible to, to being a slip oh, tree yeah. idiot. Absolutely. Basically what you're dogs saying. that are more, more susceptible to being ground pounders or dogs that trail all over the country and never get treed. Here's what, back when rat was a big thing, I used to tell people all the time, Here's the, here is the reason people have such a problem with rat attack is because his culls win. So let me say that real slow for you. Even his culls were winning hunts. So you were seeing them in the hunts. So people hated them, right? You didn't see the ground pounders that never made a tree in the hunts because they'd never get treed, but you still had just as many culls on the flip side of stylish hairy, you know what I'm saying? Stylish hairy dogs are, are the wipeout dogs that ran all over the country that got cold. They never seen a hunt. Does that make somewhat kind of sense? No, I, so, I, I 100%. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. 100%. So, uh, yeah, but, but that, that, that's the, that's the kind, I mean, Hey, you look, gotta we've get all trade got, to we, win. Right. We've all got that line of dogs that, Ooh, we cringe when we hear them. Uh, if we've been doing this long enough, we've all got that line of dogs that we're like, oh God, can't stand it. Well, we'll and, we'll we'll and, get. We kind of got off track here a little bit. Uh, uh, yeah, but, but who definitely? Yeah. Uh, so a big motor, big motor, big hunting dog, a dog that'll kick rocks in your face. Uh, one that's gonna go until he gets treed somewhere may not be within hearing but he is gonna he is gonna travel also you could uh beeline hunter you might hear somebody say beeline hunter uh and and big motor and beeline hunter can turn into some problems because sometimes they can get out of the hearing of the cast yeah what about if, if we say a dog that moves around good moves around good is what i would call a dog that is uh is action and and doesn't do that beeline type action when you say beeline and a lot of times big motor they sort of hunt in a in a straight line away from you when you say the dog moves good i don't you know he he's over here and then he's over there but he's not just blowing straight through that country so <clears throat> babbling oh babbling uh that's a dog that just leaves the chain loose barking uh it's it's one of those problems where people uh, think that are that it, it hurts the striking rule as far as a dog that just leaves there barking and never shuts up uh 
there's some rules in there that we don't use, but we're not going, we're, we're not going, I will get into that type of stuff in a later episode as far as, but a babbler is something that's going to, as soon as you turn it loose, it's going to leave there barking, even though it doesn't probably smell anything. Lay up coon. Lay up coon. Lay up coon. Oh, lay up coon. Uh, man, there's, there's people that, uh, I think this definition is sort of messed up more than anything, and, and I don't know that I've got it right, but layup coons are sort of uh, are uh, coons that are, and they're happening, they just happened these last couple months or just starting now, but it's where coons get up in a, a mass-producing tree and feed, and they may go up there and sit, and they'll, they'll just sit up there and feed, and their scent just slowly drifts down on the ground sort of ground level the whole time they might sit up there and feed for hours well that dog that there's no actual track so to say there might be a couple you know they may give you a couple of ground barks but they are actually treeing that coon off of the wind is what a true layup layup coon is it's a coon that's laid up without an actual track uh so and typically it only you know it's it's got to be a tree in which the animal is feeding in uh is going to produce that true layup so they're seasonal a, a true layup dog is a seasonal dog and and typically a layup dog is i won't say not any good any other time of the year but more than likely they're going to be mediocre on some of the like a track driving type dog yeah, we'll, we'll, um, speaking of the Mississippi, when he's up there in the Delta this weekend, we treat a a bunch. I bet we, we treat 41 individual trees with our 40, no, 44, 44, 44. They were, the dogs were 44 for 48. I bet we treat every bit of 65, 70 coons because we were treating trees with five and with four and five coon in them, but they had been like, well, you know. Or y'all train a bunch of layups? Yeah, up in there eating them acorns, you know? Yeah, I mean, now's the time that you're going to, when those acorns are holding tight and not really falling, once the acorns start falling and the coons can feed along the ground, then your layups are gone. And then that's when you're like track driving, you know, December, January, February. That's where you're like just powerhouse track dog shine, you know? Uh, and then there's breed there's there's certain lines that are a little more known for like the Finley River dogs were were uh, really good at laying up coons, um, but I mean that's neither here nor there. We'll we'll talk breed later too. Yeah, uh, and I think a lot of people get this confused. Uh, a hot nosed dog, as far as uh, do hot-nosed dogs that the big-motored hot-nosed dogs are they treeing layup coons? No, absolutely uh, not. But people get that confused, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's when you when people just think just because they didn't bark on the ground, it's a layup. You know what I'm saying? They they think in their mind that their dog didn't bark on the ground, so he laid that coon up. Typically, a dog that's hot-nosed. And beeline hunting goes into a style we call ambush. And there's an ambush style dog where 
he just he comes across that coon and more than likely it's in a freaking bush when you get there and that's like sort of like the little dog i'm hunting right now he's a i mean he don't really have the big beeline motor but he's a he 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 sneaks up on them yeah and then he don't let them know he's coming yeah that's a steel mouth dog or silent dog You'll hear them called still mouth or silent. That's another definition of is a dog that doesn't bark on the track. Um. Okay. So a hot nosed dog, just you pretty much define that. Yeah, a hot nose is a dog that is not running a very old track, and typically, if it does try to run a a a a, a colder style track does what we call here's another definition mud holing where they spin or they paint a picture on your garment or they stay in one area trying to work the track out and don't have enough brains to move it on or nose power to get away from it and they can be you can have a dog that's too cold nose that can do that too that can work try to work too too cold of a track and a cold-nosed dog is a dog that can scent a very old track, basically. So, do you think, and I, I don't, this might be getting off topic. I'm just asking for myself, because I've always wondered this. Right. Do you think hot-nosed dogs are trained that way? How, mu- how much how much man-made influence is, is put into a, a hot-nosed, a true hot-nosed ambush dog? That you're going in there and you're getting that dog off of every track he, he runs, you know? When he's well, not I mean, holding. I mean, well, how how yeah, much they, influence do we have on that? How much does genetics have? Well, genetics is, you know, the basic basic foundation of the dog, right? And then man comes in and tweak, tweaks the dog to where he's capable of either producing what he wants or winning a competition hunt. Uh, so if you've got a hot-nosed dog, you just tweak him meaning move him away from tracks that he cannot handle. If you've got a strong coon population, a hot-nosed dog is no problem. Where a hot-nosed dog will run into trouble is where you don't have a strong coon population, and if he's got a big motor, he'll always be out of hearing. Conkey's Outdoors knows that keeping up with the latest in hunting technology can be expensive. That's why they're proud to offer amazing financing options from 30 days, same as cash, to 0% interest for 6, 9, 12, and even 18 months, depending on your credit score and the amount you spend. If you've been eyeballing that new thermal or want to upgrade to the latest in tracking system technology, go find out more on the web at conkeysoutdoors.com or if you're in the Hastings, Florida area, stop by and visit. They'd love to have you. Conkey's Outdoors. Houndsman. Helping houndsman. Um, so, that I mean, and and that's geographic. That, you know, geographically, in our part of the world, a hot-nosed dog, we've got a strong enough coon population that, uh, that you can hunt one, but typically in the, where they will suffer is later in the night where those tracks are not quite as hot. It's just a gamble. A good medium nose dog that's trained properly is probably the way to go. So what's the difference in tracking and trailing? 
tracking and trailing. Uh, tracking is, I don't guess there's really that much difference as far as. Or running a track versus trailing a track. Running a track. No, there's a, okay. If he's trailing and you'll hear people say he jumped the coon, uh, and you don't, I mean, I don't, you don't see that as, I will say, you know, I'm not one of them that goes by God back in the old days. You know, I, I used to cringe when I was young and people, you know, the old timers, which I guess I'm getting older now would be sitting around the clubhouse drinking coffee and we would come in and they'd be looking at the scorecards and go back when I was coon hunting, we wasn't, you know, I mean, I'm not that type because I think that dogs are better than what they were when I started coon hunting. You're going to hear people say that's not true, but for the most part, dogs, if they're not better, they're exactly the same, but I, I'm, I'm leaning toward they're a tad bit better than what they were. And that's just, that's me. Now you're going to find people that differ, but I will say, in the last 20 years, our trailing and tracking ability is a little bit less than what it used to be. Uh, I'm not saying we don't treat just as many coons. I'm just saying the days of that dog striking. And, and here's where I'm saying the handler probably plays more part than, than that. But the days of a dog striking a track in there, working that track up, trailing it up until they jump it and get it running are not, they're not, we don't, you don't see that much in a competition hunt anymore. And I'm sure there's some pleasure hunters that still have that style of dog, uh, that, that'll take a track, bounce it in there, get it up, running and tree it. But today's competition hunter will not allow for it. As soon as that track, as soon as that dog gets in there bumping around on that cold track trying to work it up, they're going to move him and make him find a better track. So so I guess that would be the difference in trailing versus running a track, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, if there's no difference in them, I'm asking, you know, just basically, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, there, I mean, when you're saying trailing, trailing, Trailing could take, I mean, uh, I can remember striking old coal tracks and them trailing them an hour, you know, and, but back when we first started, we didn't have as many coons. So they would trail them old tracks down there. And I'm not saying mud. Now there's a difference between mud holing and trailing and different times of the year. You're more likely to hit a older trailing type track where the coons are having to go further to feed or a rut breeding season where a boar coon has got out of, you know, his, his area and going back, you might hit that type of track. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's a difference between trailing and running is what I would say. Running is they're, they're, they're putting pressure on them. He needs to climb or die is what I call running. So what about drifting a track? Drifting a track is a dog that does not stick his nose on the ground. And that, and that's just uh, a drifting track dog will run with his head to medium to the ground to straight up as far as 
run and if you've never experienced a good track drifter it's pretty amazing uh, and that's a dog that uh, it can run a coon and and its nose be chest high or even i've seen them come across roads with their head up in the air and they may be you got what you call a track straddler a dog that's running right on the track i've seen good drifting style dogs be 50 50 feet to 100 yards off of the track just run i mean it's crazy a good a good drifting style dog and that and that was your uh your stylish bred dogs were really good about drifting tracks the right ones you know uh what anything a, out of that mm -hmm. wick stylish banjo that type of stuff they, they could really drift run tracks um what was i i was going an accurate dog what is an accurate dog to you well and you're gonna and here it's all you when you hear accurate most people classify it as a percentage right he's 60 percent accurate he's 80 percent accurate he's a hundred percent accurate um now here's the here's the problem with accuracy is if we don't all consider it the same you know if we don't calculate our percentage the same way then our numbers are are skewed and accuracy is going to be different in different parts of the country you give me a dog and i've said it and i i'll i get flack from the yanks all the time uh 60 if i look at 60 percent of my coons that a dog trees in clark county mississippi I will beat, I will win the cast with that dog seven out of 10 times anywhere in the country. If give me a 60% dog and I'll make, he'll be a 70% winner anywhere in the country in Clark County, Mississippi. Now, if I take that same dog and go to the Delta, he better be hitting on 80%, you know, dependent upon the time of year and i count dens as against so they're they're here's how i figure my accuracy people bump dens or whatever but if that sucker makes 10 trees and i see eight coons he's 80 percent accurate i don't care about dens big leafy trees i count every tree so that's how, and that's the easiest way to calculate accuracy. So when I'm saying a 60% dog, that's counting den trees, big leafy trees. Might have been there. That ain't counting. Oh, he's slick. I'm not, I'm counting that against him. Well, so that's the only way to figure accuracy is if you see the coon. A lot of times if a dog makes a bunch of dens, he's going the wrong way anyway. Well, what is backtracking? Well, before we, before we go to backtrack, let me ask you this. Let me say this. Uh, and Tyler, I can't remember if Tyler Wabel told me this or Landon Payroll. We were talking about dogs and accuracy one time. And Tyler said, you know, I don't really think of it as a broad scale. He said, and it made a lot of sense what he said to me. He said, I worry about that dog missing multiple times in a row. 
you know, I don't – meaning he doesn't worry about a dog missing once. But if you miss yeah. twice, we got problems. You know what I mean? It's how many times you miss in a row that matters to him. And that's kind of the way that I look at it, too. But that was kind of what I, my, how I judge accuracy because it's hard to keep up. You know what I'm saying. It's hard to keep up what you're treating, you know. So how many is that dog missing in a row, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's a – like, when I look back on dogs I've owned, uh, I've had some really accurate – I mean, I've had dogs that, by God, you – you could cut the tree down and more than likely there was a coon there. Um, but when it, when it boils down to it, that dog might not have made the tree that would win the cast. Uh, so, so what I'm saying is accuracy is one of those things. If you're, I, I, I can, I can tolerate them missing but I better believe that there might be a coon there. Whenever I start second guessing the dog, that's when it's leaving here. I, I can't, they're they going to have coons if they're out here eating in my dog pen. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's one of them deals. If I, if I, if I ever, when he gets treed in there and I'm worried about him having a coon, he will not, or she will not be at my place long yeah and that's that's my to me it's always you know i the dog i've got to have trust in the dog yep and somebody joked i don't know if you watched our live video but i, th I think it was eddie <laughs> he said tyler he said you're going live i said yeah he said well we usually wait till uh till we get to the tree to go live <laughs> Yeah. Make sure we got a coon, you know, joking around. But, uh, yeah. you know, I mean. Uh, well, Mr. Eddie can tell you I'm pretty, I, I'll slick one pretty quick. He He's asked me a couple times, why would you slick? Or one time, one I remember we shining a tree there, and I was the only dog on the tree. I was judging the cast. And uh, I slicked the tree, and he walked. He said, he said man, there, there could be a coon there. I said, there ain't no coon there. I said, if there was a coon there, I'd find it. And he said, what about them big forks? I said, if there was a coon there, I'd have found it. And he, he said, man, you tough on her. So, I mean, I, that's one of them deals. It's, it's, uh, knowing your dog. Uh, yeah. If you hunt uh, one long enough, you can tell when that dog thinks he's got it. Oh yeah. You I know, mean, it's, I mean, there, when, there you're, no when you're walking in there, now I have, I have, I have, pulled out the wallet and said i'll bet you the bank and be real surprised when i get in there that there's not a coon there well i have seen some that embarrassed me he might have thought that he had a coon though well yeah that and that's the there's thing. a difference I mean, there's a difference in that dog thinking that he's got a coon and that dog giving up and treeing and that and that brings me to crossover i mean that'll bring you to crossover trees a lot of people you know what these coons can cross on that, they can cross on air. And I mean, I know people don't want to hear that crap, but if you've been doing it, if you've been deer hunting and watch coons work through oak trees, 
like squirrels, then you you know what I'm talking about, man. That, that they will cross where there is nothing, there is air in between limbs, and I know people hate to hear that crap, but it's the freaking truth because people don't want to give you the benefit of the doubt on them circle or you know competition hurts you as far as you know really breaking it down but a coon can cross where there's nothing touching so what is a feeder track a feeder track is just where they've been on the ground working in the area and the dog is trying to work it out and get it to that running stage just basically trailing you know as far as the coon say he's feeding on crawfish feeding on acorns working down that swamp bottom you know different times of the year and that and you need to learn that as you're going as you're learning coon hunting you need to learn you need to learn as much about the coon as you can to make a better coon hunter as far as what they're feeding on what what area they're going to be found in you know certain times of the year these coons around here move up in pine plantation when muscadines and berries get right uh so i mean that's just part of the learning curve so a feeding track is just where that coon is fed on the ground and that dog is trying to work that track up and where you'll really get like a sow and kittens or a sow and half-grown coons working in an area. Can you imagine the amount of scent that that dog has got to work through? Yeah, and then think and if those coons are climbing up and down trees, playing them kids. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. like in yeah. muskydimes. Muskydimes are the worst. Persimmons yeah. are yeah. persimmons and muskydimes, especially, you know, you get in muskydime patch, and it's, you know, there's no telling how many coons have been climbing there that night, and that dog oh, yeah. falls tree. You know, it's like, hmm. Mm-hmm. The coon well, you'll get you'll get a lot of your layups around muskydines, so you can trade layups, your layup style coon and muskydines, because they'll sit up there and eat muskydines, get full. So, what about backtracking? Backtracking is just where the the dog goes the wrong direction on the track. Uh, jealous dogs will do it. Dogs that uh that just a lot of times they'll figure it out and and, and fix it, but sometimes dogs. I, I I hunted a I hunted a red bone when I first started out. God, he never he never figured out backtracking, and it was so aggravating. He would take it and just keep trying to work it, you know, the wrong way. But typically, where where it runs into a problem is uh, when you've got a a real jealous style dog that will actually take the track the wrong way just because the dog is going the other way on it uh, and I have seen dogs that were really smart fire off on the back track and drive it just as hard and shut up and then you hear them they, they get everything going the wrong way and then you, I mean it's pretty crazy a, a smart dog what, that, what they can do and if you've never seen it, it's you might not believe it, but I've seen dogs fire off on the back track, get everything going the wrong way, shut their mouth, and then you won't hear them until three or four hundred. They'll actually stay silent until they get the track away from everything. So backtracking is sort of a mental issue in my mind. Yeah, especially dogs. if they don't figure it out. 
Yeah, it's, it's one of those deals where they they should be smart enough to realize, okay, this track's getting worse, you know, unless they're there. There's two. There's two problems with it. They either don't want to be with those other dogs, or they're dumb, too dumb to go the right way. So, but backtracking is going the wrong way on the track. But isn't it amazing that that dog can sit there and distinguish between milliseconds? <laughs> That oh, this yeah. track goes this way versus this way. You know, yeah. think about me and you walking. How long does it take us to walk from point A to point B? So the scent difference between that uh, 10 yards isn't but, what, two seconds maybe? Three, right. I mean, well, not 10. It probably, yeah, four seconds at the most. You know, so that right. dog has to distinguish between four seconds of scent, which way that track, which way is the hottest. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I, I promise you, I don't know the science of, of of their nose power, but you know it's pretty amazing. What? Well, it's pretty amazing if you really break down what we're asking a coonhound to do, as far as, and then we're so critical of them, you know. But we're 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 asking a lot of a hound. I mean, to me, it's it's a a hound has probably one of the toughest jobs in the world in the dog world you know yeah for sure so what about a dog that's uh a jealous treeing jealous treeing is a dog that's gonna tree because the other dogs are treed but does not want to tree on the tree that the dogs are treed on so it might be 50 yards it might be 100 yards but they're typically going to be off to the side of the tree where the the other dog or other dog is treed and will not cover and cover is when a dog gets treed and another dog comes into the tree so a jealous tree and dog will not cover okay did you I, I stepped away to get me a water did you cover what an independent dog is uh no independent dog is going to be a, a hound that uh I know we talked about sort of dogs that didn't want to be with other dogs, but an independent dog is one that that uh, typically will not be with another dog unless, back to that covered word, unless it's covered. And covered means another dog comes in and covers it. So typically your independent dogs are going to be off doing their own thing. It can be a major issue. I have seen them so independent that if another dog covers them on track, they quit and go somewhere else or covers them on tree, they quit treeing and go somewhere else. So it can be a real big issue. Or if they get a coon tree to head up them on the track and they, they sole up and go on and that dog's got yeah. a coon and you yeah, struck it right here out of the truck. An independent dog won't cover in that situation. And, and, and that's not even covering. Have... That's not, in my opinion, that's not, if we struck this track together, right here yeah. at the truck that's not covering you know that's yeah, more honoring but, you know i'm on you yeah. know or yeah. not even really honoring, honoring but you know it's the same same concept but yeah no there's and 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 some of that's man-made but there is some lines some lines of hounds that that will not cover or honor another dog uh shoot i I'm telling you, I've started dogs that would not even go hunting with other dogs. So, 
and that's just working working through i mean there's some tips and techniques that we will talk about later you know on both sides of uh i mean we'll walk walk through some tips on how to work them on not covering and i'll walk you through some tips on how to make them cover i've had dogs that would not cover cost me quite a bit of money yeah yeah for sure uh what um <clears throat> so what else did you want to get i, I don't do you got any more de- definitions of any cover uh changeover maybe a locate what's a locate yeah changeover or locate same same similarities all, all right so we got dogs trailing and you got different variations in track mouse you got big ball mouth dogs like the big booming track mouse then you got chop mouth dogs well typically when they when they're running and a lot a lot of times if it's a colder track they're gonna ball unless it's just a chop mouth all the way track dog but as they're running that track they get the track up running when they go on the tree they're gonna have what we call a changeover or locate and that and that's just simply that they're signaling to you that they have found the coon and the you know and they're letting you know that okay i'm treed and typically this is where or i know we're not really talking about the competition side of it but this is where a lot of your competition hunters sort of will make the big difference when they can when they can tree those dogs on that first, I'm I'm telling you the first part of the locate. Not the locate is not even finished, and they've got the dog booked. That sort of sets the, you know, they they know their hound so well. I I used to joke around. I had a big swinging, swinging track driving style dog, and I could tree her before she even located because of her rhythm of the way she trailed and ran that when she would actually she would run past some trick you know like if she ever like that big just driving the, ah, 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 and that pause i knew she was fixing to come tree because she just run past you know and then it would be ah 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 Ah, and then that that's sort of your 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 locate style that makes sense so a one bark tree dog that's where that comes from one bark tree dog you can tree them on that one bark and it could be a double ch- i mean a lot oh, of oh, people, oh, it, even that a double yeah, you, yeah like uh a, a lot of people couldn't stand a uh a chop mouth track dog because they always sound treed but the the cat the once you've had i used to couldn't stand them but once i've owned a couple and hunted with them they're awesome because nobody else knows what the hell they're doing but you hooker the old hooker dog i had had the best track driving running mouth to tree of any dog i've ever hunted with big driving oh oh two 
dying freaking low cakes that if anybody's ever heard them can tell you that they they were like two different octaves just ah ah oh 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 and to a steady chop everybody in the cast knew what she did there was no i mean no time how many times she got treed other people treed off of her locate right so the little the little fine mouth chop mouth dog that can nobody knows what the crap is doing but me and i hear it go oh, 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 oh i know it's over with you know what i'm saying so i mean it's it's all as you as you progress that little fine mouth dog has got that keen mouth that nobody can really tell what it's doing is the one i like better now and don't sound as classy but it's it's very sneaky that oh oh oh, oh that stands yeah. out more yeah than any other bark. I don't care if it's a big locate. I don't care what it is. I won't ever forget. I'll tell this story. I was hunting bandit. He probably wasn't but 11 months. He might only been 10 months old. And all dogs, no, we had two dogs were already treed. Well, he didn't have a very big mouth, and he was treed behind them about 200 yards. And all I heard, I never heard him track I never heard him tree the rest of the time. All I heard was, oh, 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 through the, just through the commotion. You know, these other dogs probably aren't 200 yards from us. He's probably another 150 behind them. And that's all I heard was, oh, 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 oh. And the judge heard it too, and I treat him. But that's, you know, that's all. But that stands out. I like that in the dog. That'll go, oh, 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 oh. Because it just, I don't know, for some reason, you can distinguish that in the chaos, you know. Yeah. Uh, definitions, I guess, man-made maybe. You yeah. Hear people say man-made. Uh, when you, and what, in later episodes we'll probably talk. And and a lot of your training is going to be what you would classify as man-made. It'll be a, and but here, man-made can be some flaws too. You know, as far as, but it's anything that the dog didn't naturally do that a man sort of helped it and, and finished it doing. So you, you'll hear man made and a lot of coon hound talk. Well, Jason, does a dog reproduce man made? No, uh, man made is going to be one of those deals where, uh, only the man can stick it in there. So genetics is, will only get you so far. And then man made is going to come in there. And I mean, we're, we're asking them to do tasks, you know, so. I guess what I'm getting at is a lot of people breed to a to a stud dog because he's you know naturally independent stud or he not naturally they'll say you know he's yeah. a very independent dog but if that dog was man made to be independent it's not in his genetics I'm not gonna say it's not in his genetics but it's not in his his character and if he reproduces somewhat like then wouldn't that mean that his puppies would have to be man-made to be independent? That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay. What What's a line? Well, what is uh? Let's talk about a little bit of breeding then. Uh, okay. What it? What's? What is? So, um, you're gonna get people mad at. Oh well. Talking about lines of dogs. What is? No, we ain't talking about no lines. What is line breeding? If I'm line, gonna line breed a dog. Give me an example too. That way it'll it'll help us out a little bit. 
Uh, well, here's the deal on breeding, uh, and you're going to hear it different. But when you talk about a line, it's a point A to point B, right? Now, when you, when you breed, say I got an uncle and a, a niece cross, you're taking those lines and bringing them back in there closer together. So, like, if, I, if, if I'm line breeding, I'm trying to keep the same similarities stacked in there on top of each other, especially if they're good similar. You know, like, if they're traits that I really like, I can really stack them in there on top of each other if I'm, if I'm doing what you call line breeding. Yoder Nylon has long been known for producing the highest quality briar-proof material products on the market. Now they've formed a partnership with Razor Hunting Gear to produce all Razor's new hunting products. Razor has a wide selection of products from competition belts, chest rigs, strap vests, to hunting jackets. These products look as well as they perform. Razor Hunting Gear, designed by coon hunters for coon hunters. Which it run, you run risk when you start stacking them in there. And I... I, you know, look, I'm no veterinarian. I've freaking I've studied every ailment there is as far as trying to figure out a way to to make it better on me and the problems it creates when hunting dogs. But uh, this line breeding is what is what's probably you know like hip dysplasia. You're gonna, I don't, you know, hip dysplasia is where the dog's hip joints are either not completely and don't have the the uh, sockets right. You hear the labs a lot, hip dysplasia. Uh, and that's all, I mean, that's that's breeding, trying to breed everything real close together. Uh, I don't know about the thyroid issue. I know that's a big thing now, you know. Uh, so when you start talking about line breeding, you're also worried about running into some, health issues but it's breeding real close without being what we call inbred yeah so so you're going to amplify the good and the bad right exactly i mean it's 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 sort of a risk gamble reward type deal you know uh but if you've got you don't want to breed junk to junk or you'll have more junk right so you want to breed the good to good to hopefully have better and I mean, your definition of good and and my definition of good might be two separate things. You know, I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, what the fifteen what, year old boy sitting on the stump by the fire definition of good has changed a lot in the last thirty something years. You know, so I would say that people line breed maybe for what they want, like Wimp Aaron line breeds for what he wants in a dog. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, whether that's good to some people or bad to some, you know. Right. So yeah. You, I mean, it's, it's preference, you know, it's what, what, what you want to see in the long run is, is sort of what line breeding is going to get you to. And I mean, I don't know how many folks are still sticking to a line real close. Uh, but typically that's your people that study in the, the genetic side of it. And, and you really, you know, if you're just getting into coon hunt, you want to get, you want to try to get the people that are that are doing the most as far as like you got you want to try to find those people that are hunting their own stuff uh, how come 
how come if line breeding so great how come there hasn't been a line bred dog when the world hunt i mean i'm sure there has sometime but i mean in recent memory mm, i don't i mean i don't I, I hadn't really studied the lines as far as what's you know money in the bank he will see i don't know if he no he's not line breed he's not well maybe it's gonna happen i don't i don't know no, it really. Well, uh, uh, now you're gonna be punt back up and punt. I'm gonna have to start over. I'm just gonna have to get some some mojo stuff in my stock. No, I mean I'm, I'm not saying that, <laughs> I, and I'm not hey, saying look, it. I, I ain't no line breeder. I, I'll I, I will uh I will breed to anything that I that I think is gonna make. You know, I went out bred outside. I bred inside. It's a uh, when you talk about winning a world hunt, you're talking about an extremely lucky situation. Lucky, yeah, a lot of luck. Yeah. That, that that meant preparation, you know. I mean, the people typically the people that win it were, you know, they they got prepared for it. Probably not always the case, but I mean, it's. It, I'm not saying that they were just all luck. I'm, they were prepared to go up there and win it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but and I'm not saying that anything bad against line breeding. I'm just, you know, I mean. Oh yeah. And I understand what about, that you oh, can have hey, great line bred dogs. Then Burden boys, they've won a couple world hunts. I think they're probably doing some line breeding. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if. Uh, well, we're going. We'd have, have to look. Might, we're gonna have to check. You open that up. We're gonna have to check it. Might have to. I swear they. Now they, they got they, they got some coon dogs too. And they do a lot of line breed. And they do. They they hunt what they breed, you know? Yeah. Uh so do you want to well, I mean, I'm good. I mean, whatever you want to talk about. Do you want to talk about what you got planned for the future or what else did you want to well, cover in this first episode? I mean, I got time, it well, doesn't matter. Well, we'll just hit real quick about uh what you know, as far as if you're a young person and you're trying to do this and we sort of talked about looking at the clubs and everything but but realize that it, it's not something that just I, I it worries me that we're in such a right now generation you know being as i deal with the 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 teaching and uh dealing with youth that are right now uh and, I, and it's nothing against the kids today but you know I'm going to tell you, I, kids don't really want to wait for nothing or work toward nothing. And I, and I think if you're listening to this and you're wanting to get into coon hunting, that uh, you're going to have to learn patience and you're going to have to learn the ability to look past your feelings today and tomorrow and look at what you're shooting for a year. You know, everything... And, and even the adults these days is the right now gratification, you know, uh, you got to learn to look further down the road the next week. And, uh, so I, I want any, you know, if you're just getting into the sport, it's not an instant gratification. It's a, it's a, a lot of work to, to have that hound that is, uh, going to be something, but it is so rewarding. I've been talking to a guy. You know, after the podcast, uh, a guy, Josh McCullough, he 
he reached out to me and he's actually got a dog out of Ben Roberts stuff that uh goes back to some of my stuff but he started reaching out asking some questions you know and he's a pleasure and honor he's thinking about getting into competition coon hunting he, he brought the little dog over here and we went hunting she's 10 months old but you can the exciting he's a he's a older he's not as old as me but he's older getting it he hunted a little bit when he was younger and sort of got back into it but he's got a 10 month old pup that will run and tree its own coon now but the excitement just seeing his excitement reminds me sort of my excitement you know when i was starting out the 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 idea that i took this pup that had the raw ability but i molded it into something that i could truly enjoy i mean i think that's what you've got to look for is you know if you're getting into this sport to make money and and be a competitive person that's all fine and great but that fire will uh i don't think it'll be just quint you know it's got to be more to it than that i think for most people uh it's, it's, it's true. It's either in you or it's not. You know, I've started, I've probably started 50 youth in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years. And uh, it don't stick. I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's one of, those are, are some of them that'll come back and go hunting with me every now and then. But it, it is really a sport that is, a, that is and I, I know people, ah, it's, it's bigger than it's ever been, you know. It's one of those sports that it's, it's, uh, we don't have enough young people coming in, but we've got some of the mid, mid generation coming back. I think that's sort of where we've got to, you know, some of these guys that maybe coon hunting a little bit when they were in their teens and had the fire, started a family or whatever, and coming back into the sport. Um, and if you're, if you're a, if you're a hardcore competition hunter listening to this and uh you run people off at the local hunts shame on you you know i'm out i think we've got to be it's a it's a it's a, a street that we all got to remember where we come from and help out people as much as we possibly can uh, so find you a club get involved and if you're in a club be welcoming to the new people and hey man take a loss i mean don't don't win on technicalities when it's one of those deals where it, it can be a learning experience and a win-win for both parties you know that person will start learning and coming back some of the worst things that can happen at a competition coon hunt is to is to cheat or not really cheat just bow brow beat somebody's first hunt you know beat them with the rules the first time they come there you know it's in your mind it's not cheating right but in their mind it's cheating because they don't know any better so they won't come back so i think that's there's there's a couple of lessons on this hunting stuff that the people that have been doing it forever think about long term the people that's coming into it realize that uh greatness wasn't built in one night and work and and look for the long term long term goals in it
Yeah. And okay. So since we're kind of talking about that, I, you know, there's a lot of, uh, or not, I wouldn't say a lot, but I know of a, a, well, I mean, a good many instances that people that listen to this podcast, it's because their children got involved, wanted to get into coon hunting. And maybe they didn't, maybe they were outdoors, but they didn't really know much about coon hunting, you know? Um, uh, yeah. And I think that that's, that's really cool too. So, I mean, if you're one of those people, let us know. I think that that's a uh, good that you're supporting your kid and what they want to do. And even though you might've coon hunted maybe way back when they want to get into it. Um, another thing I want to touch on Jason, since we're talking about new people getting into the sport is <clears throat> people. And this happened to me when I first got into it. I don't know how prevalent it is now because I know better. So I'm not even going to deal with these people, but you know, uh, get a dog. Uh, what type of person should I be aware of when I'm looking to buy a dog? Does that make, I'm trying to say this politically correct. Anybody advertising on Facebook, stay away. Oh, we can't. I mean, come on now. <laughs> but, but you, you know what I'm saying. And, uh, hey, listen, because listen people rip quick. you off, right? This, here's the deal. If somebody's got a good dog, he ain't for sale on Facebook. I'm, I'm, I, and I know that's well. I guess I, I mean, people make make some happy deals on there, but uh, typically, your best bet is to go to some coon clubs and go hunting. If you're just getting into this sport, and you are, you don't even have to go to the coon club. Make contact with somebody and go coon hunting with people from that coon club. Um, find somebody local in your area that's coon hunting and go with them and hunt. Do not ever, I don't care if it's a world champion, do not ever buy a dog unless you go hunting with it. If, unless, unless you know the person so well that you know i mean i could I, there's some people i could call and buy a dog from that i wouldn't be too concerned with but it's just because i've been doing it so long but i would probably more than likely go hunting with it if it was the pope that was telling me he had the dog for sale i've seen dogs that have won very large amounts of money that would not sleep in my pen so there that's that bit of information for you there's 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 some there's you just got to be careful and, and there's no no rhyme or reason and you might find a 400 dollar dog and the trade wins and it be the best dog that's ever sniffed coon scent but if you do get one from there you need to go buy some lottery tickets as well because you got extremely lucky yeah yeah and i want to throw that out there because people will rip you off right yeah yeah a new All hunter right. a new hunter yep if you if if they know that you're new to the game they are you know i mean it's it's one of them deals you gotta you gotta i mean i bought hey look i i bought some doozies when i first started out Me so too. i'm telling you from experience experience me too that you yeah. better go hunting with it and you better not take nobody's word for it and i hate i mean 
I hate to say that, but that's the way it is. I you, I won't sell many. So well, that goes, if if it's if it's for sale at my place, it's it's got some holes in it I don't like, but I know that it's as good as some of the some of the dogs that I was proud to own at one point in my life. If that makes sense. Yeah. That might it might not be the fastest pony I've seen, but it's a pony that's running. Yeah, a pony that's running is better than one when you cut it loose. It takes five steps, turn around, and look at you. <laughs> makes a bed. <laughs> yeah, it goes up under the truck. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those things that you can get taken advantage of. Very, I hate to say it, there's some great people in this sport. There's more great people than there are bad ones. Oh yeah, yeah, but you do have to be cautious when it comes to buying a dog, uh, because yeah, I mean, you, to me, yeah, four hundred dollars isn't a lot of money, but it's the fact of having that dog. Now you got to do something with it, you know. Yeah, it's not the money right. aspect. And have you bought dog feed lately? Jeez. Yeah, but if you feed extreme dog food, I mean, you know, great dog food at an affordable price. Yeah, I, I, it's yeah, that's one. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway what were you gonna say well I, I i don't know if you want to plug a question in in this episode or what but i actually I yeah do you got uh, a question well i had a question this week so that one's fresh on my mind i had a couple of questions there but uh larry white in alabama there sent me a question this week he's got a dog that's got some chewing issues uh He's really high on the dog. He's training a bunch of coons. I think he's out of some of his stock. And uh, he's uh, he wondered how I broke broke mine from chewing. Uh, so I, I give him the information. I don't know if he's used it yet or what. Uh, he did tell me that he used some hot sauce one night and, you know, went in there and put some hot. That was Pepper spray, hot sauce was one thing people used to do, go in there where they're chewing and put that on the tree. Uh, now I use what uh, a shocking collar, and everybody, you know, back in the day, cringed at the thought of using shocking collars. But uh, look, if when I t say shocking collars, if you're just starting to use a shocking collar, you always start at the lowest intensity that you can possibly start with. Back when I first started, you had to pick an intensity and you stuck it on. You had a plug that you would stick in there. So once you stuck that plug in there, no matter you you would shock that dog on high or whatever. You know, it was one of them deals where it was. And back then, we used to just try to break them off running stuff, trash, you know. And those dogs were so headstrong. But start on the lowest intensity. So I, I told Mr. White, walk in as close as you could possibly get. Because I asked him, I said, will he chew with you there? And he said, no, nah, I done got him broke where he won't chew when I'm standing there. But if you've got a dog that's chewing, the first thing, don't try to break him by hitting him. If you're just starting out and you haven't even started trying to break this dog from chewing yet, the best way to do it is get in there to him. Start at, I mean, you're standing beside him on the lowest intensity where you're shocking collar. You just tickle him till he 
quits chewing, then you let off of it, and then he should go back to barking. Do that at the lowest intensity that you will get a reaction. Usually I get up to, like on my alpha, the, the, the Garmin, I'll get up to two, low two. I think it's 16 seconds or whatever, you know. That makes sense? Yeah. All right, so get... The, the last one that I worked on chewing, low two was where his tickle, he would quit chewing and start back treating. Right? So, and you just slowly work back from that, you know, like as far as, because you don't, you want to be where you, the first couple of times you tickle him, you can get your hands on him. You don't want him leaving. You don't, you definitely don't want to create leaving the tree. That makes sense. So, and then it's it's really not that hard to do it. You just gotta be consistent and you gotta and then you slow and now like the it don't take many like if I bust this dog out that I've been working on about chewing, it was a snowman dog. If I bust him out the first night I hunt him and he goes I can I can tickle him from anywhere and he'll go right back to treeing and then it's just it's one little episode of it, but, and this is for dogs that will, the two will get them, you know, and there's some, and that's just, that's just a, just a habit that you got to break. And it's any, any, any habit a dog has is breakable. That makes sense. You just got to, you just got to figure out if it's, if it's worthwhile you doing it. And does the dog have enough ability to overcompensate for you breaking it? Because, like, a dog that trees too much, why is it, why is it treeing, why is it making those trees too much is what you got to take into effect. Can it not work the track? So, or is it just, or is it just got too good of a nose where the coon touched and it can smell it so good that he thinks the coon's up that tree? So, I mean, you just sort of got to figure out. Like if a dog doesn't have the ability to run a track and just gets treed one after the other, then that does you it will do not it, it'll do you no good to break the dog from treeing too much. But the dog that's got a really good nose and just hitting tap trees, he's worth breaking, you know. That makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> um I think that was a great a great uh question there chewing yeah that's, that's a big issue especially if you're going to competition hunt a dog you know yeah it any, seems like any, some dogs well, will never chew and then other dogs just chew for no you know what i mean genetics yeah genetics is chewing chewing is genetics i guess it's one of those things that's bred in there so um, but I, they're I, stay put if you got a chewer that sucker ain't going nowhere <laughs> I got a question for you then. Okay. I'm hunting that dog off Frank. Right. And four. Me and yep. Landon and Tyler on. So the other night, I'll say, okay, so two nights before we went to the Delta, I guess. Two nights. Yeah. Cut him loose. Goes in there. You know, flies in there 400 yards. Drives a track. 100 25 130 yards 
wham comes tree just within two minutes of being cut loose first turn loose got a coon walk him off the tree recut him stays on the ground for the next four hours yeah other night first cut loose up there in the delta body slams a coon 30 seconds out of the truck oh covers 15 miles never gets treated again yeah why is he doing that and there's coons moving in the delta now he he yeah. covered 15 miles he should have treed 30 coons was other dogs with him yeah well we cut three dogs loose and he got treed the first time with other dogs running around him or with other dogs well he treed first and then yeah. the other dogs come the the first time i'm telling you about he's by himself then the yeah. rest of the night he stayed by himself too but never got treated again never got treated again either time is that has he been doing that or is this new or what well i'm just at this point i'm glad he's treating okay he covers a lot of ground but why is he why is he body why is he treating coons right off the bat and then not doing anymore i I don't it's almost sounds health issue type situation but i mean it could but then Okay, so the second night we hunted him in the Delta, he didn't tree a coon right off the bat. He flew around like an idiot to begin with, just wild. You know, he was a mile over there. Then he finally slowed down a little bit. He treated a coon, recut him off of that tree, and he goes, I mean, just flies in there seven, six, seven hundred yards, wham, trees another one right off the recut. Yeah. Recut him off of that tree, doesn't ever get treated again. Is he trailing? Is he barking? Now, I mean, uh, the first, now that first, when I say tree one within 30 seconds, he didn't bark a whole lot on that tree. He pretty much run up on that. The two days before we went to the Delta, when he did that, or it might've been three days, I don't know. But anyway, he, uh, he did open on that. Oh, oh, you know, he don't open a whole lot on coon, but he'd get struck, but he doesn't open a whole lot on the track. But I mean, he did open. You can tell he's run. He run that track about 150 yards. I couldn't really tell on the the one on the recut. He did run the track before that when he treated the coon. It sounds know. like he's just just starting to. I mean, to me, what you're describing is a dog was just starting to tree and hitting his type of tree. He's and have you how, how many of y'all shot out to him? No, we shot a few out. But I mean, Jason, what I'm saying is, is if he covers 15 miles in Mahana, WMA. Yeah. He should have run across his coon again. Well. You know what I mean? They're treating coons. Yeah. I mean, Willie treated yeah. seven. Ace treated five, you know. Or but four. We already went over, Tyler, what type of coons them are. Well, that's he, true, too. Yeah, I mean, you're right. He, but, he, I mean. He, he's not a light. I mean, yeah, there's a piles of coons over there. But right now, a dog that cannot tree layup coons is going to look silly with dogs that can tree layup coons. So it's going, I mean, it's going to, I mean, you can't judge, you know, like he might, where, where he hit his track, he looks real good, right? Well, where Willie's going around there slinging and treeing those layup coons, you may take him over there in December when the coons are down on the ground and he trees five and Willie looks like a freaking idiot. Uh, I've seen, yeah, Willie take track too, but I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I see what I mean, you're I'm saying. Just saying. I mean, we, 
we just went over that man, in this you lesson, should, Tyler. I know, but I mean, you would figure, <laughs> well, the one you. coon on the 700, I don't think he barked a whole lot, but it's so hard to tell because you got two other dogs, yeah. you know what I mean, in between you and him. I'm saying he's not a layup tree. And he might not dog. be. Might not. He, he does love to run a track. You know, he's hey. old trail deer forever. Hey, hey stop r real quick. What is his breeding again? He's off of Frank. And what is Frank out of? T Tiny, who's off of Moose. And just put the, the key be in it, beginning their kennel name. I ain't going to They say we say it too much on here anyway, but I, I wipe out. What? Well, this they're not layup dogs, I assure you. Well, and you know, I, you know, Jason, I want to cover this question because it's been about six months since the wipeout story. So I figure everybody's getting ready to start their wipeout puppies that they bought after that, and yeah. uh, they're going to be run into this issue, right? Right, and yeah, they're they're definitely going to run into some issues. <laughs> 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 but if you can ever get them lined out, though, I mean, oh man, I, hey, I love them guys up there. They are, uh, I'm telling you, but they are, they are a, a little bit of this and a little bit of that is what you're shooting for. Yeah, but and I don't even, I ain't gonna say that on here. I'm, I'll, I'll tell you when I quit recording. But I don't know what, you know, I just didn't know if you knew anything what you thought that would be because I just feel like if he's treated, yeah, I mean, just. Just off of that, I mean, he's how old is he? Seventeen months. Yeah, I mean, it. You're just it's uh this is his first layup season. I mean, it's I mean, you're you're treeing layup coons over there right now, and it's one of them deals where a dog will look plump. I mean, here's the deal: he may open here and there, he can smell like that that scent that I'm talking about that's drifting. But he hasn't figured out that that coon is just laid up in that tree. Now, there are some ways you can work him on that if you're wanting to. I, I will touch that real quick. But if you're wanting a dog to to learn how to, to lay a coon up, you can, um, you can get a cage coon and stage it where you might only do it 10 to 15 feet off the ground. I mean, you don't let the dog know you go in there or whatever, and uh, get it get it down to where that scent's gonna be pretty close to the ground, and turn him loose in that area. You know, uh, typically I would, you know, I would only work that on a dog that that I could see that had layup tendencies, uh, and I would that would be just the way I would work him to keen in or like sort of focus in his layup ability uh you might 100 yards and you just set it up like an hour before you go turn him loose in there you just drag a cage coon up the tree you know 10 to 15 feet just where that scent will be drifting down for an hour go back get him and bring him in there and see if he can tree it uh so that that, that gives you an idea of how you would work you can work up work a dog that but typically you wouldn't work a dog to tree layups unless you thought he naturally had that ability yeah um i'll tell you something else i know when you did in your first podcast you were saying when you like to break a dog off a deer you like yeah. to tickle them 
yeah. make it just uncomfortable. Well, I took right. your advice with him. You know, yeah. he runs deer yeah. real bad, still does. Yeah. He fell off of that deer and got on another deer. Right. So I shocked him again. Made it uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit harder this time. Well, uh, he's still running deer. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's some of them. Here's the deal on that. You got to, you, he's got to, where, where he will fix himself is when the coons are on the ground. If that makes sense. So you don't think, do you don't think these dogs that run a deer and fall off on a coon are running deer falling off on layup coons? Because well, they're running too fast to be able to smell the layup coon? Or yeah, what's most, the deal? Most of, most of your big running dogs are not going to be layup dogs. Huh. Lay, lay up, lay, laying up a coon is a, a art form. And a lot of people, I mean, there's very true what I would call layup style dogs out there. Like if you go around a, 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 a old field or whatever, and there's 40 something coons sitting around a cornfield or whatever, and you turn dogs loose. I mean, they do that up there at the world hunt. You you would think that there would be a bunch of dogs just trying to piss out of coons around the edge of them fields, but typically they're not because they're blowing through the damn country. Layup dogs are not not as common as people make them out to be. And a really good one is is hard to find. Yeah, I mean I agree. I and I never, you know, I never thought about it like you put it because i think he, he will run a deer and fall off on a coon but i guess like you said he's got to have a track to do it well yeah he's what where, where he's falling off on a coon is a freaking coon on the ground yeah that he tree, you know he's not treeing up. i mean there's even in layup season there's gonna be a couple of coons on the ground but usually your layup dog's gonna tree four or five when the other dogs tree one coon you know yeah hmm I didn't. Hey, I didn't lay, up, lay up, lay up, lay up dogs are not my cup of tea. Yeah. Well, just because they're so seasonal, you know. Well, we don't, coons don't lay up now, way down here anyway. That's what, yeah. our coons got to work for their food. They can't just lay up and eat. Yeah, unless you're in an oak bottle in yeah. South Mississippi right now, you're not going to treat many lay up coons. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with layup dogs. I don't. I, I like no. to watch a good layup dog work, but I, I just, I know what you're saying too. Yeah. Uh, That's season. You get about two good months out of them, three good months, and then. Now, if you've got one that can do it all, then you really got something. Yeah, there's what? dogs that a lot of dogs. The world hunt is set set up for a good layup dog. But. Uh... Anyway, we can go on ahead and wrap it up for our recording okay. segment of this. But uh, so yeah, yeah, oh yeah, you got we get some great information here for sure. I mean, I think and uh, you know, another thing I want people to do, Jason, before we log off, is kind of like how I did with with your technique of breaking the dog off a deer. I want people to give us feedback on using these techniques. Okay. Yeah, I mean, heck, I'm a, I can always learn. Well, and I think it'd be cool to maybe read some of the success stories on the pod. You know, this, yeah. dog, you know, I mean, 
or maybe if somebody tweaks something says hey look i did this a little different and you know oh okay well that, yeah that's that that makes sense you know what i'm saying yeah um yeah the, the that that was uh josh he's working that 10 month old pup and he brought her over here and i noticed you know that she was sort of uh bogging down in some water and that's what i told him i said look you gotta you're gonna have to hunt her in water you know so i think he started hunting her in more water it's hard to find water in mississippi right now as dry it is but if i'm not mistaken he's from you know i'm living in raleigh now he's from right around me yes yes uh he's yeah. uh he's that he you, you and him should get together he's got a really nice 10 month old and he's got some nice blue ticks too uh but yeah y'all should link up and go hunting yeah I th- i've heard that name and I, i've seen him on the pot on, you know he comments on some of the stuff for the podcast and all um uh yeah he's fired up he's got a he's uh he's fired up i think he'll he'll go hunting nearly every night if somebody will link up and go with him but he's hunting a lot by himself so yeah y'all would be good so jason i, I appreciate the you coming on here and i look forward to you doing your own episode soon if uh if your wife can teach you how to use the computer oh man i don't know if this uh me and this computer type stuff is going gee how i think it's easier to train a coon dog than to to get on here and learn how to work this freaking computer well (laughs) uh if if you know let us and and for the people listening to this if you're still listening to this uh let us know that you want to hear this type of more type of content like this because i think it's a great educational tool mr mr miller our instructor is going to dive deeper into some more complex topics you know we kind of brushed over some stuff but you know uh and jason's going to have some great examples for you and just really really going to be able to steer and i'm looking forward to it because I've, I've learned some stuff today jason to be honest with you you know some of these questions i asked you were, were from me you know right. uh so I, I look forward to to hearing what you have to uh you know teach people and and i look forward to listening to myself well man that's great i mean I, hey I, I that's what i am at heart teacher i you know a lot of I, I did find that when I first started competition coon hunting that people stay tight-lipped on stuff that might end up beating them in the long run. Uh, but I'm not that type of guy. Any of these old boys that that have hunted with me for years know that I that I am a open book. I want the best competition out there, and I'll if I think it'll help you, I'll tell you. You know, that's just me. Uh, so yeah, I look forward to hearing some questions and then going over some of the stuff that I work on with these dogs of mine and, uh, and figuring out how to work a computer and do these podcasts, but might have to have you on here doing them most of the time so I can figure it out. Oh, well, I'll just ride up there and teach you. How about that? (laughs) But yeah, buddy. Yeah. Well, all right. All right, man. Enjoyed it. Late nights with Miller. Late nights with Miller. That's what you want to call it? Oh, man. I That's what we I can call care. it? <laughs> oh, I don't care. I was just messing around. Hey, 
I really hope y'all enjoyed that interview as much as I did. If you like what you heard here, go on over to Facebook. Give us a like, at Coon Hunting You. Also, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us out. And remember, if you need a new hunting light, do not overlook Superior. They make an awesome light, best customer service in the business. Man, their walking light and double red is the brightest I've ever seen. Use coupon code CHUPODCAST at checkout at nighthunters.com. You can find the link in the description box below this. Coon Hunting University is a product of Audio Hound Productions. Until next time, y'all have a wonderful day.